Welcome to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hi, I'm Danielle Brown, staff writer for McKnight's Long-Term Care News. I'm here today with Deb Emerson, principal at accounting and consulting firm Clifton Larson Allen, LLP. Today, we'll be discussing the potential impact minimum staffing mandate would have on nursing homes and how providers can prepare themselves for the forthcoming rule. Deb, thanks so much for joining us. We're glad to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. Um, so let's just jump right into the questions. Um, you guys at CLA recently conducted an in-depth analysis on the impact minimum nursing home staffing levels would have on providers. In your opinion, what was the most shocking finding from that report? So honestly, when I was looking at the findings that we had in our report, the most shocking to me was the number of facilities that did not meet the criteria in either of the three scenarios we outlined, especially when we were looking at scenario one, which is the 4.1 total nursing hours per patient day, which is what CMS had kind of proposed in the proposed rule. I think that's a really lofty goal. And when we looked at our report, there's so few facilities that are currently meeting that threshold. So I'm not sure how we get all of these facilities in the country up to that that threshold in a short period of time. And so you all modeled three different minimum staffing requirement scenarios, and in each scenario, it revealed that providers would have to spend a lot of money in order to meet that standard. Is it realistic to think that a minimum staffing mandate could be implemented efficiently nationwide, or is that just really just hopeful thinking? <laughs> Um, I think it's hopeful thinking. I don't think that it's realistic that any sort of minimum staffing mandate is going to be rolled out efficiently nationwide. So when we think about the geographies and some of those challenges in different environments, whether it's rural or urban or even just different parts of the country, everybody has different workforce challenges. The whole industry is struggling, but some areas are struggling more than others. So when we think about a rural community, for example, and and having trouble finding staff, being able to roll out a staffing mandate in a rural community where some staff are already driving an hour to get to the facility to work, if they're having to hire more staff, are those staff going to have to come from either farther away or, you know, what's that going to look like? And if they can't find the staff, then what's that going to mean for the residents in that facility or future admissions where then the residents are going to have to go to facilities that are even farther away? Interesting. Very interesting. So CMS's kind of year-long study on the matter is underway right now. Can it be assumed that the agency is considering the potential provider costs that will be associated with a minimum staffing requirement or do you think that providers' impact isn't isn't weighing too much on their mind with that? You know, so I I would hope that the agency would at least consider what the cost is to providers for putting in 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 place any sort of staffing mandate or minimum staffing requirements. It's hard to tell. I mean, we just don't know what their thought process is. So it's hard to assume anything about what direction they may go. I know as an industry, even with the proposed rule and all of the comments that were submitted, some of those in response to that request for information about 
the staffing mandate were in there. The associations are doing a lot of advocacy work around that to educate the agency and the administration around the impact of a staffing mandate and what that would mean in terms of cost and just the availability of workforce and that incremental cost to providers. So I think they'll take it into consideration, but I don't know what they'll do with it, right? So I just don't know how how that, that will play into whether or not they make that decision to implement a staffing mandate. So what are some ways CMS could soften the blow or reduce costs for providers once their minimum staffing mandate is fully implemented? I think the big thing is to look at why are they doing a staffing mandate? So their focus has been very much on providing quality of care for that vulnerable population within our nursing homes. And is a minimum staffing mandate really going to make improvements in the quality? There's been lots of studies. They use the STRIVE study. Um, a lot in their support for having a staffing mandate. And I think all of us in the industry would agree that the need for additional staffing to be able to care for those residents definitely does enhance quality and it's something to be considered. But when we look at some of the mandates that are coming from CMS, there's punitive penalties for not meeting those. So rather than being supportive and trying to help with either recruiting and retention opportunities, training staff, putting in place ways that we can keep staff that are already in our facilities and to go and hire and train staff that we need in order to meet the mandate, it would be great if CMS could work on it from a supportive perspective rather than being punitive and assessing penalties when they're not meeting that staffing mandate. So I think that's going to be really important and a message that CMS needs to hear. I think providers would really appreciate that, you know, to have some additional support on their side, especially in trying to meet meet this lofty goal. That's that's absolutely. So are there any findings from um, from you guys' report that you think are being overlooked or not talked about enough? So it's interesting. So a lot of the conversation coming out of our report is focusing really on three areas, the cost of implementing a minimum staffing requirement, the number of staff that would be needed, and um, those residents that might be displaced or not might have a nursing home to go to. So those are the three areas that we're really focused on in our report. But I think if you dig down into the details, especially when you're looking at both the nursing staff, that mix of nursing staff, so looking at the LPNs, looking at the aides, and looking at the RNs. So one thing that really stood out to me is that where there's the biggest need to get to the total staffing level that CMS is looking for is in that certified nurse aid kind of bucket, right? And so when we think about, well, how do we get those people? How do we train them? You know, kind of back to my previous comment, recruitment, retention, training, those nurse aides are going to be very critical to be able to meet that staffing requirement. And when we look at the cost, I mean, they're, they have the lowest hourly rate of the three. Mm-hmm. And so if we can figure out a way to focus on that segment of the nursing pool to be able to capitalize on that, um, I think we should do that. 
The other part of that is the LPNs, Mm -hmm. which actually, when you look at our report, there was a lot of facilities that have appropriate LPN staffing. When you look at what's required or being proposed for each level individually. And so, again, how do you capitalize on that? Are there things that we can do differently, utilize the LPN staffing differently to help maximize the hours that they're spending doing direct care, less administrative work? So, we really need to focus on the environment at the facilities. You know, how do we help? educate folks, whether it's in colleges, high schools, mm-hmm. how do we get people interested in, in being engaged and wanting to be a certified nurse aide? And I think that's going to be really important for this to be successful. It's about making working in nursing homes something that people look forward to do and a job, you know, a career that they look forward to and that they're passionate about and that they want to be involved in. It's not just about filling hours right? Just to make some report look good. We want people in there that are passionate about their career. Definitely. And I think that's interesting, you know, especially when you say CNA is one of the greatest needs, given that um, the waiver for the CNA training has now comes into place with that too. Yes, absolutely. And I think the more that we can work with the agency to come up with proactive solutions on how we can get Um, AIDS trained faster and certified faster and on the payroll, I think that just benefits not only the nursing facilities, the agency, but the residents that we serve. Yeah. So what are the next steps for providers? CMS is still in the midst of their study. Recommendations won't be out for a while. Um, So what can providers do in the meantime? You know, how can they prepare themselves for this? How can they put themselves in a favorable position? So I think looking at what's going on in individual facilities today. So when we think about CMS just rolled out this month, the update to the five-star staffing component. Um, So that's definitely going to play into, you know, looking at the whole staffing minimum and and what that's going to look like. So understanding, one, what is being reported, right? So is your PBJ, the payroll-based journal information that's being reported accurate? Mm -hmm. Is your MDS information accurate? So making sure that you have all those pieces in place today and that you're reporting it appropriately, because what we don't want to see happen is somebody gets penalized when they're actually staffing appropriately. They just didn't do the reporting the right way or correctly. The other thing is to look at their own communities, right? And back to that retention and recruitment aspect. What is it? How do we think outside the box? It's not just the pay structure, but what are things that we can do differently that is going to keep those folks engaged? And I mentioned high schools and colleges, you know, so how do we go out and get that message to that potential workforce before they start making career choices so that they know that working in the skilled nursing industry is a career choice and has a clear career path that they could follow if they choose to take that. So we want to be enthusiastic about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's going to be really important for providers to be thinking about that as CMS is going through their studies. So we know at some point CMS is going to come out with something, but how can you look at your own individual facility today and make it better so that it's less impactful when CMS does come out with a staffing mandate? 
Well, thank you so much, Deb. That's all the time we have for today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Great, Danielle. I appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care news, visit McKnight's.com.